All right, praise the Lord. Uh, my name is Josh Kim. I'm the, one of the new assistant pastors here at Christ Central. Uh, thank you, Omari, for that. Um, thank you, praise the Lord. We, we're just really glad to be here. We like to welcome everyone that's gathered here, especially the visitors. Uh, we know how it is because I'm, I was a visitor for a long time as well, and we just came on board. So if you are new with us, please stop by our visitor's table. We'd love to get to know you and be embraced by this community. Uh, one of the things that we have experienced this past month for us being on board is uh, we're really embraced by you. Uh, we're really grateful for all the warm welcome we have received. And I think my son especially is learning what it means to be part of a church. And one of the ways he does that is to imitate a lot of you. One of the things that we do at home is we imitate church and he hands out bulletins. Uh, he makes us sit down, he ushers us into his room and sometimes he pretends to be a praise band. He pretends to be a presider. Uh, and nowadays he says he's a pastor, perhaps uh, trying to be like Pastor Howard or Pastor Mari. Um, and of course, his favorite, Mr. Jason, he does that as well. And we realize the church is not only about people who are up here, but also about people who are serving behind the scenes in different ways. And we believe in discipleship by imitation in our home. And we thank all of you for imitating and modeling that faith for my child and for my family. And I think that's what church is all about, isn't it? For us to gather together, not only as coming to watch and to listen, but to participate like this, uh, as we listen to the word and respond to him, pray, and to worship together in a community of God. And one of the things that we learned as we came to Christ Central is that, as you know, we do have very gifted preachers in this church. And uh, it's been a joy for us to be able to sit under teachings of Reverend Howard, as well as Reverend Omari, and they're great sound exegesis of the Word of God, and they're gifted, not only because they deliver the good Word to us, but um, they also are very sensitive, and they're aware of the cultural issues at hand. And I think that's what's something I'm learning from them, and I think there's a running joke that's been going on for the past couple of weeks, in that they're really good at not giving spoilers to the movie, right? They're really sensitive to your needs, and they're able to connect with you, but not give you the spoilers into the movie. But, you know, as I thought about preaching today and trying to start, how do I capture the audience's attention as I start talking about this issue of summer that is coming? Um, I'm not as good as they are, so I realize I do have to give a spoiler. And I do apologize for that. I know I might be that guy that you guys all jump on afterwards and say, what's wrong with you? You ruined us and all this stuff, but I just couldn't get over the fact that I have to give a spoiler to this movie. In fact, it captures what I want to say so well today, so I do apologize for that, but I, I have to do it, and I, I couldn't think of any other illustration to capture it. Um, please do not hate the new guy, but um, the movie that we've all been waiting to watch, right? We've all been anticipating for this moment. In this movie, the main characters, Elsa and Anna, right? Uh, I know. Oh. What movie were you guys thinking about, right? right? I was thinking about this movie. I know, some of you didn't watch it, I'm sorry. Especially the kids, I know they're not here, but I'm sorry about that, but I'm going to spoil it for you. But Elsa and Anna, this great movie that we've all been dying to watch, right? Um, in this movie, Elsa and Anna, and actually my favorite character is Olaf. You know the snowman that Elsa and Anna create? As they were singing, do you want to the snowman? In fact, Olaf actually has a chance to have his own stage and sing a song as well. And the song that he sings is called In Summer. And you know how the song goes. Basically, it's a snowman. Doesn't make any sense. Wanting the summer to come. And he's dreaming about, just longing for the fact that summer can potentially come. 
And one of the song lines says this, When life gets rough, I like to hold on to my dream, relaxing in the summer sun, just letting off steam. Oh, the sky will be blue, and you guys will be there too, when I finally do what frozen things do in summer. I know, what a great line is that. I know, I love that too. And we all love the silliness of this song, isn't it? A snowman wanting a summer to come. And then, you know, Anna and uh, I forgot the guy, Sven, right? Sven is like, should we tell him? Like, don't, right? Because, you know, when frozen things, when the summer comes, they melt. And we all love that. But in some sense, as we think about what it means to have summer that is to come for us, perhaps for some of us, it feels like summer already is here with the weather as hot as it is. Um, but we're often with Olaf, isn't it? Looking forward to summer that is to come. We dream about it. We long for it. Not only because of the nice weather the summer brings for us, but also because of the relaxation that will come with that. A lot of us do take vacation during the summertime, and perhaps it's evident today. A lot of us would like to go up and see our family. Summer also brings time of ending of a school year. For parents, it may not be a summer of joy, but summer does bring time of vacation for many of us. And we do look forward to summer, but perhaps at times we're like this character Olaf in wanting summer to come, but not really realizing what the summer will bring to us. Another way to say is we look for relaxation, we look for hope of rest, we want time of break. We often do not understand what this rest is meant for us, or sometimes due to us. Hence, often we hear, I need a vacation from vacation. Because we don't really understand what this summer or this rest is all about. And today, as we take a break from a sermon series on Titus, we want to focus on what it means to rest well in the summer season. Because summer is coming. It's already here, I think. Along with it, a lot that goes with that. And we all want that rest. We long for it. But the question I want us to ask is, do you really know what rest means for you as a follower of Christ? What if rest was meant to be more than just a mere day off for you? What if rest, according to God, was meant to be more than checking out once in a while? What if the rest was meant to be more than free to go on the latest vacation spots that you've been wanting to go for entire winter time? What if the summer that is coming is meant to be more than just a slower schedule, missing a couple of days of work or even church at times? And I believe today's scripture teaches us that rest is much more than just relaxing, relaxing in the sun. And what I want to do today is to invite you as we discern what God has to say about the rest that many of us really want to take in the summer. Just a quick disclaimer, I'm not going to get into all the theological points about what to do, what not to do on the Sabbath day. There's a whole other sermon on that. But rather, what I want to do is to broaden our perspective through the lens of Scripture on what rest ought to be. And according to Scripture we read today, God's plan for Sabbath rest for us has three aspects. It's physical rest, it's a spiritual rest, and as well as it is an eternal rest that is to come. First thing that we see from this scripture is the physical rest God intends for us. 
According to a Scientific American article, Why Your Brain Needs More Downtime, the author notes that downtime replenishes the brain's stores attention and motivation, encourages productivity and creativity, and is essential to both, both to achieve our highest level of performance and simply form stable memories in everyday life. What this article basically is arguing for is the fact that physically we are longing for rest. Another way to say is we are designed, created to have physical rest in our life. And the wisdom of physical rest is actually found in the scripture today. Exodus 28 through 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all the work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Moses in this text here says, remember to the Israelites. That also tells us that, in fact, Moses is not coming up with this law to give to the, the Israelites coming out of slavery out of Egypt. In fact, when Moses says, remember, He's hearkening back to the fact that Israelites, you ought to remember that you were created to rest. Moses is referring to God's action in creation as part of your physical divine design for you to seek physical rest. To put it more bluntly, to physically rest is to be human. To long for that rest is to be human. And God demonstrates that by resting himself after creation. And God invites you to join with him and Sabbath rest, not because God needed rest, but you do. And what amazing grace is that, isn't it, church? He wants you to imitate him, to follow him for your benefit. I think a lot of times in this day and age, needing to rest seems more like a curse to us rather than grace. In this world of dog-eat-dog, Rest sometimes can mean that you're falling behind. Rest sometimes means that you're not going to advance as far into your careers as perhaps someone that's working 90, 120 hours a week. The Economist magazine showed that 60% of those with smartphones are tied to work, even on their off days. 60% of you. American Psychologist Association cites that over 36% of people are struggling with work-induced stress. I think that's why Moses here commands us to remember who you're meant to be. Remember that you're meant to rest. Remember you're not meant to merely seek after the worldly achievements, but you are to have this rhythm of work and rest. That means you have to work at, you have to work at it. You have to work at actively keeping Sabbath. It means you have to be in an active response in obedience to rest, and to trust in the Lord as you take rest in him. I think a lot of us are really good at resting unintentionally. After a long day of work, we just want to veg out and just watch a show and just rest and do whatever we want. But we're really, really bad at resting intentionally, scheduling in our physical rest along our work week. That means in order to physically rest well, you have to work well. The scripture here reminds us that you ought to work six days faithfully. I know, right? It's not five days, but six days. I'm an immigrant. I'm a child of an immigrant. 
When I first came to the States, one thing I was so surprised was I didn't have school on Saturday. Because where I came from, we went to school six days out of week. And I would ask my mom, I want to go to school on Saturday. What's going on here? No one's going to school. All right, maybe there's more biblical there, but OK, that's a joke aside. But what does it mean for you to rest well is for you to work well six days faithfully. And on the seventh day is to rest. And in the New Testament era, we, we celebrate the Sabbath day on the first day of the week. What it shows us is that work is part of the divine design as well. The work was not cursed in the Garden of Eden. The land was. The labor is hard, not because work itself is bad, but because the land was cursed because of that. The work and rest must go in hand in hand, according to scripture today. Summer is coming. And for parents, as I shared before, the summer is coming. That means for many of us, this active, hyperactive children running all around our home, longing for engagement with us all the time. And for, for you, for some of us like me, I'm not looking forward to that. I love the fall because it starts school and I detest any breaks. Um, I cry because I realize I have to engage with my son 24-7. Not that I don't love him, I do, but it's not easy. And in many, in many conversations I have with parents uh, during the summertime, we're united by one thing that unites us, all of us together. And that is, how are we going to tire out our kids so that they'll knock out well at night? And you know, we do extra hard to plan everything in order for them to be physically exhausted by 8 p.m. We take them to the pool for four, six, eight hours a day, hoping, hoping that all the energy will be zapped out of them. Right? We go, we take them to all these camps, and we want them to be physically exhausted so that when they come home, they will sleep, not talk to us. Right? How intentional are we? Right? How purposeful are we in scheduling our children's summer schedule so that they will rest? And we want that for them. We long for them. But how often we don't do that with us? How often we neglect our work and our rest, and we just let it happen? But scripture is absolutely clear for us. Not only are we, have, we have to schedule in our rest in order to rest well, you have to schedule your work well as well. You have to pursue rest intentionally. You have to pursue work intentionally. Finding its rhythm is rooted in our created design. Another key in resting well physically is not only for your personal rest, but also for the corporate rest. Verse 10 says, But on the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourners who is within your gate. Notice physical rest wasn't only meant for you and for your family alone. It's not just for your family vacation that you ought to rest physically. The rest, as we see in the scripture, was meant for all people. Notice how comprehensive this rest is. Not just for your family, but for your servants, your livestock, even the strangers at the gate. You're not meant to rest at the expense of others. Your physical rest is not something you only ought to enjoy yourself. It's something you ought to share with everyone around you. 
To preach the gospel in resting is not only for you to take a time off to recharge, to come back and to serve, but also for you to be connected as you rest well with one another. That means if you're able to take vacation, please do so. In fact, the science tells us your children develop better when they're taken out of your routine, regular routine of things. When I was a youth pastor, one of the things that we stressed to our families was, take your kids on vacation away from me. Right? No, no, I didn't say that. I, the, take your kids on vacation because you know how many stories they tell you after they come back from vacation? That's when you connect with them. When you drive with them, they can't go anywhere else but to talk to you. What a great way to connect with your children. And they actually, science does, the studies actually show that you build lasting memories with your teenagers when you go on this vacation, no matter how much they push back. But we're also called to recognize the resting, to be able to go away for a while, it's a privilege that not everyone gets to enjoy. It's something that some of us can, but some of us cannot. As part of an immigrant family, that was often our struggle in our life. I could count in my one hand how many times we actually were able to go on a family vacation. Not because my parents were bad parents. We just didn't have means to go so. But we were called to recognize in our resting, in our ability to rest well, is to recognize that there are some of us that need that rest in this church. And if you are a family of Christ, we ought to be concerned not only about well-being and physical rest of my family and myself, that means you ought to be concerned about the physical rest and well-being of people that are sitting next to you. That's what the commandment teaches us, all of us, even the strangers here. The commandment aims to broaden our view not just to give you and your family a day off, but for us to all rest well in the body of Christ. You know, I think that means we ought to be connected in our rest together. In the church today, we often have this worry or guess, right? Especially during the holiday weeks or during the summertime. Are you going to be at church? <laughs> Is so-and-so not going to be at church? I don't think it ought to be a guesswork like that. I think we ought to be connected. I'm not saying you should check in with your community group leaders, your elders, and ask them for two or three weeks off on your family vacation. I'm not saying that. Please don't do that, right? But what I'm saying is when you take a break, when you go somewhere, someone should know that you're going somewhere, right? That you should be accountable for the fact that you're going to be missing for certain days, not only for the church, but so that you could go off to vacation and also find place of worship, make worship priority even in the time of your vacation. I think we ought not to only be connected in our way to serve and to love one another when we're here, but also to connect with one another in our rest, encourage rest to one another as body of Christ. Today's scripture not, does not only teach physical rest for us, but it also teaches us a spiritual rest. According to a national business article, the mindfulness market is now well worth over $1 billion, the mindfulness market. And you guys know that, what this is. It's those calm apps that you have on your phones. It's the largest market with more than 1,000 smartphone apps and as many studios and experts creating content and building an audience for its practice all over the world. The world, as we know, is looking seeking rest 
not only physical rest, but they're seeking mindfulness, emotional rest. Dare I say, they're seeking spiritual rest. And when we see from Scripture, God meant rest not only for you to be physical rest, but also a spiritual one. Often when we think about having a rest, having a Sabbath day, we long for sitting and doing nothing, right? I love that too. Like, I'm exercising, what? My thumb, right? Love that. We look, look for that, passing our days in carelessness so that our bodies will recover. And yes, work is really, really hard. It ought to be hard, right? Why? Because of sin. In Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters, the consequence of sin was the curse of the land. That's why work is often hard for many of us. But this sin also points to our need for a deeper rest, a spiritual rest. Rest that is only possible through our communion with God. Keeping Sabbath holy does not merely mean a free pass to do what I want to do. Rather, keeping rest here means recognizing our brokenness in the world after the sin enters and looking to God to restore our broken bodies, our broken work, and our broken hope. It's to recognize that apart from God, we cannot truly rest well. And the part of God's work in the rest includes our redemption. And this is further described in Exodus 31. I'm not going to have you turn there, but this is what it says in verse 30, uh, chapter 31, verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Verse 16, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath by observing the Sabbath throughout their generation as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. What these verses in conjuncture with Exodus 20 shows us is as follows. First, the Sabbath day of rest functions as a sign that points to the covenant between God and Israel, a promise between God and Israel. The covenant here describes a relationship that Israel enjoyed with God. The Sabbath rest pointed to this great promise of God that he is willing to be in relationship with Israelites. The second thing this scripture points to us is that this promise once again shows that God himself, the creator of the universe, is inviting his people to join with him in resting. And how is that possible? Not by giving a day off, but the rest comes because you can be restored in communion with him. To be restored into someone that you're meant to be. As one theologian once said, when God gives Israel the Sabbath day, he gives them a bit of Garden of Eden. When God invites you to rest on the Sabbath day, he gives you a glimpse of what it means to be in the Garden of Eden, what is to come. It is as if God of the universe is stopping everything and is saying to you, you, I want to chill with you. 
I want to relax with you. I want to hang out with you for a little bit. And what we're called to do is to practice the spiritual rest in the body of Christ. And the most important thing the Garden of Eden had that we don't have, perhaps fully right now, was the, not the absence of work. It's not like Adam didn't do anything in the Garden of Eden, right? He had work to do. But what was present in the Garden of Eden was this full communion, fellowship, the presence of God. What it means is that for us to enjoy the Sabbath day isn't only to merely take a break from our daily work week, but it is to recapture this essence of who you are, who you're meant to be, to be in communion with God, to experience his presence in your life. To rest well, then, church, is not only rooted in your created order, but also it is rooted in his restoration order of things. That's why today's worship, the corporate worship like this, a family worship that you'll have on vacation, is absolutely vital. Having one another in this day of Sabbath is absolutely vital to us. In order to rest well spiritually, you need one another. Why? Because God ordained it to be like that. Isn't that amazing? God ordained the church to be a place where you could come to remember, to renew, to experience this rest with God who is present in the church. In the presence of two or more that are gathered in his name, God's presence dwells with them. And what more you want than God's presence in your spiritual rest? Church, you being here today, it means rest for the church. Not only for you, but for all of us. Maybe some of us need that physical rest. Maybe some of us really need the rest because you're tired from this world, the injustice of the world, the systematic oppression. Perhaps for some of us, you're weary of trying to do good in this world when everything seems to be against you. Perhaps for some of us, we're tired of taking care of our loved ones who are sick and we're just ready to give up and give in. That's why we need to come into this place where God dwells and to be reminded of the rest that could only come from God and God alone. To that, Christ calls out, Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, when you come to this place on Sunday worship, you don't only come for yourself. Do you know that? You're connected to one another. Your presence means rest for the rest of the church as well. One of the things that I'm doing as a uh, new assistant pastor is trying to put faces to the names I'm learning. And I realized one of the ways I could do that is to go to community groups and visit these community groups. And uh, I don't know why, but I've been like scheduling in community groups left and right, and I find myself one afternoon in Cotswold in one community group, and in the evening, I'm driving all the way up to Concord. And I realize in our church, we're blessed in that way that we are covering the entire city, the region. There are lots of community groups that happens all throughout the city, and I really want to encourage you to join with that. And it's been a great uh, chance for me to meet many of you, to get to know you, hear your stories, and, you know, community group is not a perfect thing at all. 
You know, when we go to different community groups, each has its own personality. We have kids running around in the background. I think one community I visited, the kids were doing circles around us as we were discussing different things. And uh, it's, just, it, it's, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to do all these things. And it ranges from singles, college students, the empty nesters, and grandparents, and different backgrounds, socioeconomically, racially. We're all coming from different backgrounds. And it's not easy to find community, to build community like this. And I get that. But can, you, can I tell you what? Each community group I visited, as we were talking about different struggles that we have, at the, at the end of the community group, time and time again, different people would say this. I needed this. I needed you to tell me this. I needed you guys to be here. I felt like I had to be here today. I need your prayers. I need to be reminded. I need the word that you speak into my life. I think that's what it means to have spiritual rest as body of Christ. Are you desperate for the spiritual rest this morning, church? Are you thirsting over spiritual rest? As a deer panteth for water, are you seeking the rest that comes from God and through church? Are you longing for the rest that comes from above? To physically rest without proper spiritual rest will never be enough. You'll be wanting more and more and more. So come, church. Rest with them. As you hear the word, as you hear the prayers of the saints that pray for you, as you sing, lift up your hands, as you listen, respond, greet, hug, to look around, ask, seek, embrace, repent, to celebrate, all that, that our church does as a church so we could corporately, spiritually rest in Christ. Final thing that we see is not only our physical rest, our spiritual rest, but what it ultimately points to, our eternal rest that is to come. According to the bulletin that you received today, our church gathers on every Sunday with this mission statement to free people to enjoy God, to hear his truth, grow in diverse community, and engage the world with renewed dignity that comes from Christ. And what we do today as a church is a glimpse of what God will ultimately accomplish when he returns. And this is a promise that we find in the scripture, that Christ will return again, not only bring our rest, but the eternal rest that comes from being fully restored in God's intention for creation. That's what we see in Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. In verse 9, it says, The angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus in the spirit of the prophecy. In this promise of revelation, we find that our eternal rest will involve both work 
in fellow service with the angels in worshiping and serving our God, but also rest to enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. Our work, our rest in the kingdom, in the heaven to come, will be fully restored, and our work will no longer experience the curse, and our rest will be eternal. And get this, you and I will be working in heaven. Right? We're not going to be like, as Pastor Omari alluded to, we're not going to be floating around playing harps. Right? I don't want that. I don't know if I, that's not kind of heaven I want to go to. Right? Um, I don't know what my job is going to be. I don't know what Pastor Omari, Pastor Derek, Pastor Howard's job is going to be because like, Jesus will be speaking. Right? So we don't have to do this. Perhaps we'll be the traffic controllers. Right? This way to God. Right? This way to Jesus. And maybe that's what we have to do right now anyways. Um, but church, this is, this is the picture that we have. The eternal promise is to come where you and I will not only work in serving our God, but to rest eternally with Him. And the promise of today's rest as we come to the Lord's day is to picture what is to come in, eternal, uh, in eternity. And this is the gospel. Not only does God set this plan of rest in creation, not only does He give a glimpse of it through rescuing Israelites and inviting us into the promise, our God, our creator God, in order to demonstrate this for us, our God is willing to leave the place of perfect rest in order in to enter into the unrest of the world. Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of the Sabbath, takes on human flesh as a man to come into the restlessness of our life and our sin so that his followers can find this true rest in him. And we can find this true rest because we could come to him, lay our burdens at him, and he has done it. On the cross, once and for all, as he promises, he will return with the eternal rest that is to come. Where our anxiety, our concern, our fears can be placed upon him. That's why we could hold on to these promises of eternal rest. It's not mere words but it's words with guarantee that he has done it and he will accomplish it. We could hold on to this promise in Matthew 6, 25. Do not be concerned about what you will eat or what you will do. We could hold on to the promise John 14, 3. I'll go to prepare a place for you. We could hold on to the promise of 2 Corinthians 4, 17. The momentary afflictions is preparing for us an eternal weight of the glory. And ultimately, we could hold on to the promise of Revelation 7, 16. They shall hunger no more neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to spring of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is our promise that we claim as the children of God. Are you tired of church? Are you thirsting for this rest? Come, rest, as we look to the eternal rest in Christ. I think that one of the most difficult things that we are called to do at times is parenting, isn't it? And I know, I know some of us, you know more than I do. Um, I remember when my son was born, um, it was one of the joyous moments of our lives. But soon after, my wife had to go back to work. Uh, and I was thinking, I got this. You know, I was pastoring at the time. And, you know, I could do this. You know, I have a flexible schedule, perhaps, and I could 
pastor the church, prepare for the sermon, and watch this three-month-old at the same time. And I was thinking, man, it's not that bad, right? What do three-month babies do? Eat, poop, sleep. That's all they do, right? It's not like I have to engage with them, dialogue, whatever it may be. So I was thinking, wife, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm an expert. And plus, I was also thinking, perhaps now my dream of connecting with my son will come to fruition without mom, right? We're going to build this tight bond as, as father and son together. I got this. Not bad. Don't worry about it. You go work, you know, make that money. Do that. But I'm going to watch my son at home. And I'm thinking, what joy awaits us in this joyous union between son and me? Bonding time, the bro time, right? Here we go, you know? The first day came, and wow, it was terrible. Um, I stayed home. I was thinking, okay, can you just play for a little bit as I summer prep? Didn't happen. You know, it's like crying and crying. And I was saying, what do you want? Do you want to go to the bathroom? Do you want to do this? And he's like, eh. Like, I couldn't tell what he was. And he kept crying and crying and crying the whole time. And after a little while, um, I was trying to put him down. He wouldn't nap. And I thought, you're supposed to that. You napped well yesterday with mom. What happened to you, right? <laughs> he wouldn't nap. And not only that, he wouldn't drink, take the bottle. For eight hours, he was, was fighting me. He would not take the bottle. My goodness, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. And I realized as the time got near and near for mom to come home, we were inching closer and closer to the door. As I was holding my crying son, who's hungry, obviously, and I could hear, hear his stomach growling, right? And I was holding him, exhausted. I couldn't take a shower. I couldn't do anything. And I was standing by the door, and I was looking out the, to the street, <laughs> waiting for mom to come, saying, Mom, please come home. I was longing for mom to come. And parents, I know it's not easy. It's hard. And for that one day, I experienced the full, full length of what it meant to parents. And I was longing, longing for mom to come. Church, I know some of us are in a season of life where we may not get any kind of rest. It may be physical, emotional, it may be mental. And we could hear about summer that is coming. Yeah, that's great. But it doesn't mean that we are getting rest from the weariness of this world. Perhaps for some of us, it is your work trying to pay the bill for some of us, it may be caring for the loved ones who are sick, and it's not like the summer cures them all of a sudden. For maybe the young adults here, we're waiting and hoping for what's next, and we have no idea where we're going to be. For many parents here, we're raising our children, and there's no end to that. It may be more than that. For some of us are experiencing injustice, the m- the, the monumental work of working in this broken system, living in this world itself, doesn't really give us proper rest. And if you're a Christ follower this morning, this is what Scripture reminds us. The rest is coming. And our restlessness in this world ought to create in us that longing, that longing for Christ to come. We are not to be so comfortable living in this world. Rather, we ought to be looking, longing for Christ to come and say, Come, O oh Lord, look at this injustice in this world. Look at this restlessness in my life. 
come, O Lord, I need that rest that is to come. And church, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. As we learn to rest physically, spiritually in Christ today, we ought to long for eternal rest that Christ promises when he returns. Eternal rest is indeed coming. And if you're not a Christ follower this morning, aren't you tired? My God, our God invites you to come to him, to lay your burdens at his feet, and join with the rest of his saints in anticipating the rest of eternity in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives that reminds us that we're created not only to rest well, but to work well. But we also thank you, Lord, that you not only created us in creation to rest well, but you have created us and now put in the work of redemption in our lives so we could rest well in eternity. Lord, we confess that oftentimes we only long for our own personal rest. We often become selfish with our time and the rest time as well. But what we ask, Lord, as we come to this day, as we practice not only physical, but eternal, um, the spiritual rest, teach us, Lord, to be connected to one another, but also long for Christ that is to come. Saying, Christ, return. Come, O Lord Christ. In our weariness, in our restlessness, may you come and remind us that we were meant to live for eternity. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.